Welcome to The Style Podcast. I'm your host, Penelope Herbert, and I love chatting with interesting people doing cool things across the globe. So thanks so much for joining me today. Today, my guest hails from Charleston, South Carolina. It's a beautiful part of the world with magnificent heritage architecture and great charm. It's also the city from which Elliot Carlisle runs his business, Building People for Global Influence and Providing Services to the Fashion, Entertainment and Lifestyle Industries. Now, a founding partner in Western Carlisle, Elliot influences people and brands. Now, I don't think that's brainwashing, but we'll certainly find out. Now, he's a philanthropist at heart, and Elliot supports MAIA Moms, which dedicates itself to supporting single mothers and their children. Elliot Carlisle is a man who is building people for global influence. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Style Podcast, Elliot Carlisle. Thank you so much, Penelope. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really honored and, and elated to be on your platform. And, and to all those who are listening, welcome and thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much, Elliot. Um, now, your profile is uh, quite astonishing there on ElliotCarlisle.net. Um, and you've certainly accomplished a lot in a very short amount of time because you're a pretty young guy now, let's face it. Yes, ma'am. I'm 31. <laughs> and you, you've crammed in quite a bit, um, which includes a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in Fashion and Retail Management. But let's just step back a little bit and tell us a little bit about Elliot Carlyle, the boy and the young man. What, what, what happened to you when you were a kid? What's, what's your story? Oh, my goodness. Um, really interestingly, that many people wouldn't know, um, I actually just gotten to a place where I now start to share it. But actually, uh, my background from a child on to about the age of 19 um, was when I switched into fashion. But my background is actually in music. Yes, I was a musician. I started playing the piano at age four. Um, my parents actually wanted me to go into sports. You know, my dad, you know, you got to play sports. A man has to play basketball <laughs> or one of those things. And I did try basketball, um, City League basketball, and we realized after one season that that was not going to work for me. And so it's <laughs> like, well, there's you got to do something. So they stuck me in piano lessons, you know, uh, reluctantly on my part. And I, I mean, I can remember going, you know, kicking and screaming, being dragged there to my lessons. But after a while, I, I found that I had a love and an affinity for music. And so by the time I was in middle school, um, I, I enrolled in the choral program there. And so I was in show choir and in the uh, magical singers and in the concert choir. And that became my life all through the rest of school. And even when I got into um, high school, I also was in the show choir as well and involved in the men's chorus, the jazz choir, uh, the magical singers, the concert choir. I mean, I just music was my life. And then also involved in my church as well. I played the piano for my church and I also had a singing group. So music was my life. And then all of a sudden um, I had graduated and gone to college at Northwest Florida State College and went on a music scholarship and was in the show choir there and in the concert choir and in the, um, the, the, the symphony choir and every other, you know, musical part I could involve myself with. And, so you're um, the, the poster boy for the Glee Club. Oh, exactly. That was me all day long. I mean, I, if you watch the show Glee, that was that was Elliot Carlisle all day long. <laughs> but at some point, you know, after my first year in school, I realized, although I did enjoy it, but the passion that I had for music, it just shifted somewhere. It didn't it didn't feed me the same that it did. And found myself on this discovery and um, journey to find out what it is that I wanted to do, because at that point, music 
it did something for everyone else and everyone enjoyed me doing music. Everyone liked seeing me perform, but I didn't get the same fulfillment out of it. And I didn't want to spend the rest of my life doing something that fulfilled everyone else, but I left empty after it was over. And so that's actually when I tapped into all of a sudden that fashion was an interest of mine and I just totally switched over into it. It's so important to follow your passions, isn't it, Elliot? I mean, I really resonates with me when you say you gave pleasure to a lot of other people, but it wasn't pleasuring you. So what do you do? You make a change, right? Yes, yes, yes. And it's not easy, um, you know, even to to get to that place, especially when it's something that has become a part of your life, because, you know, it really is divorcing one thing completely to go into the next thing. And I always, you know, tell people you can't go into what's next until you end what's now. And um, one of the things that I had to really face and and really contemplate in my mind was, well, what all is this going to cost me? What am I going to have to put into it? You know, what am I sacrificing? Because I did have to give up, you know, music completely. Um, for me, there was no way to segue into it. It just had to be a harsh transition. Uh, you know, and we like to do things easy. You know, as people, I think we like to, you know, figure out the best way to flow into things. And sometimes there's just no way to flow. And I think the blessing and the benefit of discovering that with myself at such a young age, I was able to do that. I didn't have a whole lot just established, you know, and I was in that age where I, I can kind of create now for myself and, you know, really pursue my passions and my visions. And, you know, I believe that in your 20s, you know, those are kind of your experimental years. So I had the the time and space to do that. And I took advantage of that. Now, you were young, Elliot, because a lot of people at your age, you know, 19, 20, 21, um, they do want to experience life, but there's a certain selfishness um, about them, you know, which is fine. Um, but you seem to have a lot of wisdom for such a young man uh, at that point. Uh, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's um, But actually, you know, I was really I'm an only child. Um, I was actually raised around a lot of older people. And so um, most of my friends actually, even to this day, even though I'm 31, most of my friends are in their late 40s, 50s. And even I have a friend who I talk with almost every day that's in her late 60s. Um, and people are always like, you know, you're such an old soul. Um, and that's because I've I've surrounded myself with people of wisdom, um, I did always have a a different type of conversation about myself. But most of that I would have to attribute to my parents and the way that they raised me. I came from a military home. Uh, both my parents were in the United States Air Force, and um, 24 years um, each in the Air Force. And so for me. Um, I had a different level of discipline in a way that I just had to be. And I think that that's just the way that I had to think things through and um, be able to articulate, you know, what I was feeling, what I was speaking. You know, my parents always taught me to be able to express myself. Um, and then one thing my dad was always very big about is that a man has to be able to make decisions and then um, also be able to sit with the consequences of those decisions. But you have to be able to make a decision. So for me, I kind of, you know, grew up and that was just a part of me. And so at that age, I just knew how to make that transition. And so it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I find myself now with a lot of young people who I see are in that place with their careers and even people who are my age and older who are in places of transition or places of great decision in their lives. I'm finding myself being somewhat of a of a life coach or a, um, a transition coach to really help them handle um, their transitions in life because I've had to make so many harsh 
Amish ones. That's really interesting, Elliot, because with both your parents being in the military, so that's, as you say, there's discipline, it's fairly solid, it's a, it's a very um, singular career. And yes. so you changed at a young age from, from music to other things. Do you mm-hmm. see a lot of the younger people, I guess younger than you perhaps, uh, that you mm-hmm. uh, work with, that they don't have the discipline or the vision or the purpose? And is that what you help them to achieve? Yes, ma'am. That's very awesome that you would say that, Penelope. That's that's powerful, um, what you just said. I mean, literally, I'm like, I'm shaking a little bit, but... <laughs> is so real for me and then it touches such a deep place in me because one of the things that I understood, you know, at the time I was coming along, I'll just say even social media wasn't what it is now, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I believe on one hand, social media is such an awesome tool because for me, it was the way that I was able to build my brand. However, it's, it has become such a distraction for so many people. Yeah. Um, and I believe it becomes a way of escape that many people take in not dealing with themselves. And so, you know, when you're making these kind of transitions, um, it always starts with you. And many people, the average person cannot define what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. They cannot define what it is that they offer. Everyone wants to be influential. One of, one of my most favorite quotes that I, it's a personal quote of mine, and it's become a person of value and influence will follow. And I believe that many people, one of the reasons why they haven't tapped into their areas of influence, because they really haven't discovered um, what it is that they carry, what they were innately uh, born with, that actually is a value. And so they're looking at other people, for examples, or they're waiting on someone else to tell them, they're waiting on some someone else to wake it up in them. And yes, though, you will have those moments, but really it's up to you to really dig within yourself and find that place and that thing within yourself. Because if you allow other people to give it to you, then at any, any point, other people can take it away. It's a very important point that you make too, Elliot, because uh, when you say, um, you know, become a person of value and influence will follow, do you think mm-hmm. that a lot of young people, and maybe not necessarily just young people, uh, people in general, do you think they want to be influencers first? That's actually very good. I think that they do. Um, you know, and of course, we can't deal in absolutes because everyone's different, but the majority if we look at the majority um, and the the cultural atmosphere that seems to be established, that is what people are trying to do because of because of the gratification that seems to be there um, and what they're seeing it do do for those who have attained. I'll say that status for lack of a better word, but for those who have attained that, it seems to give them this this strong sense of presence, this strong sense of value that everyone really, I believe, is on a journey to discover for themselves. But you can't. That's not something that you. You can get from them. That's not something that they can give you. It's really something that starts with you. So I think sometimes um, it can be the danger of misplaced passion. Right, right. That makes a, a lot of sense, of course. <laughs> um, because as you're speaking as well, Elliot, not mm-hmm. everybody is able to be a public speaker, a keynote speaker. Not everybody has the, the personality and the vibe that you clearly have. Um, and whether that's God-given or um, not, I guess people can make up their minds about that. But mm-hmm. um, at what point do you think that you saw yourself as a person who could be a leader in this regard? Oh, wow. Um Honestly, it's very recent, to be honest with you. Um, It really started about 2013. Um, 
and I, actually I moved to Charleston. Of course, I said I'm originally from Florida um, and I moved to Charleston in 2012, September of 2012. And from 2012 to 2013, I began to just encounter so many people. And of course, I came here to get my degree um, at the Art Institute of Charleston. So while I was here encountering students at the school, and of course, they were younger than me because I kind of worked backwards. I had already been in the industry and then decided to pursue uh, the education later. But Mm -hmm. in working backwards and encountering encountering people that I'm watching who are at the place that I was and, and then realizing that I had so much to offer because where they are, I've already come through and that I had I had a responsibility that to give them the knowledge, the, the wisdom, the insight they needed to make the right transition, to make the right decision. And it was at that time, um, it was like a new a new sense of purpose or a new assignment woke up in me as it pertains to what I'm supposed to give um, to those who are listening and looking for that from me. Because before that, I didn't really realize that people were looking for that from me until I got here, honestly, and realized, wow, there's there's an audience that I have a responsibility to. So did you feel a great sense of responsibility at that point or did the responsibility build as you went down this track? It was built. I felt it initially, but it wasn't it wasn't so strong until I realized the way that I was involved in people's lives. And I and I have to be honest and transparent even here um, with myself. I found something to be very unique, even in the PR field uh, with my clients. And I think any one of them, if they were listening to this to this broadcast, they would be able to say, you know, I, I'm involved in their life in a very personal way. Although, yes, we have a business relationship. Um, as far as our conversation, I, I begin to be a voice to them through their through some of their deep, dark, personal insecurities, some of their their hurts, some of their traumas. Um, some of them, you know, whether it's been through divorce, whether it's been through abuse. Where I mean, this the behind the scenes of their life that that people don't get to see because of their platforms and their brands and their reputations and all of that. I've had to be such a voice of of counsel um, to them and a voice of wisdom to them. And so that's something that really has grown over the years. So, you know, yes, what, and what you're saying, um, it, it really did build for me. Um, and now it's like such a, such a, a demand on me that I can't shake it. And so one of the things that I, I found now at this stage of my career in transitioning into being the brand, um, the voice that I'm now having to be more of a speaker um, and more of a consultant versus doing the actual hands-on mechanics that I used to do in the industry when I was younger. Right. So um, it occurs to me then that you are dealing with people at a very personal level, at, as you mentioned, which makes a lot of sense because when you're trying to change, effectively, you know, change someone or take them down a path, you would have to get very close to them. Does your brain get a little bit full of all of the different um, uh, purposes and uh, challenges <laughs> of the people that you work with? <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Um, so interestingly, this is something that hasn't been released. So I guess I'm releasing this exclusively to you. Yay! But I'm actually, yes, uh, I'm actually getting ready to become um, or announced as a, a certified life coach. Um, now, interestingly, that came about as one of my friends who I've been consulting with her and her business, she's a life coach and a, and a speaker. And she's also a pastor and minister. I mean, she has a, she has a, 
awesome brand. Three doctorate degrees. I mean, she's just a walking encyclopedia, wealth of knowledge. But she came to me one day and said something to me about myself. She said, you are a person who takes on everyone's stuff. She said, and your brain um, is able to function that way because you're such an interpersonal person. Mm. Now, one of the that I had to go through in uh, getting my life coach certification and in the process, the first thing that I had to do was was take a test to analyze the seven pillars of my own brain. Interestingly, uh, my interpersonal rate um, level that my that my brain functions on re- operates at a ninety seven percent level. Now, put that then, in, sorry, Elliot, put that into context for us. Ninety seven percent at that level. What does that actually mean? So that means each each level um, is actually rated at how much how much of your time and capacity of your brain power is spent in each of these pillars. So mm-hmm. there there are seven. So and you're really supposed to be, as the expression goes, a normal person is able to flow in all seven um, evenly. That's that's a that's a healthy brain and that's a brain who is using who is functioning in every area um, at even power level. Mm-hmm. How for me, I am an extremist. My interpersonal is 97% and my intrapersonal is 93%. Wow. Now, what's the thing about that is my interpersonal is your social interaction, how you are, you know, when I'm at, let's just say fashion week or I'm giving a keynote speech or I'm at, you know, events with large amounts of people, you know, just my social interaction. My intrapersonal is my uh, quiet time, my self um, analyzation, my self critiquing. Um, it's almost at the same level as my networking skills being out. So really, I go from two, I go from one to the other with no flow. I just crash. <laughs> right. It's almost as if I can be in two dimensions where I am. I'm actually in two pillars at one time. Um, Now, going back to your question, that means that when I'm dealing with people, I have the capacity to internalize what it is that they're dealing with, which is good on one side because it makes me very sensitive. It makes me very um, understanding. I'm able to really connect with people and feel what it is that they feel. And I'm able to help them come to resolve very easily because I can involve myself. However, the the negative part of that is I can also take on people's stuff as if it were mine. And sometimes because it's so natural to me, I don't know that I'm doing that. It's just how I flow. And then when I leave them and I'm back in my own time and my brain switches from being interpersonal to intrapersonal, now I'm dealing with feelings that don't belong to me and I'm confused on why I feel the way that I feel. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. Um, And this is what I was thinking. If your brain is is, um, so full of the things that are going on with other people. So does Elliot Carlyle get a chance to, you know, work on himself? self to to clarify any of that yes so the thing that i do what works for me is my my uh one of the things they analyze for you is what your superpower is and my (laughs) superpower is is talking um and for me i have i have to talk through everything if i internalize things um they always end up negative so i'm a person i'm a very transparent person sometimes to a fault (laughs) because i tell 
all my business. I tell everything. I really just don't have secrets. But also because of my my um, the pillars that I have and the levels that I have, I'm very easy to read people. So I, I do know who to trust and who not to trust. But those who, who I do trust, they can tell you I tell everything. I mean, I have to get everything out. And really, that's my time. And also um, uh, activating and, and giving more exercise to the kinesthetic part of my brain, which is your mobility. That's your um, movement, your um, your your in, in your musical areas, you know, which is flow and, and patterns and working numbers, things like that. Those are areas I have to practice more in because they help balance out uh, the interpersonal and intrapersonal. So as you ask the question, does do I get a chance to break away from that? Those are the exercises that I have to do. So recently I just started walking. Uh, walking is not something I ever did, you know, very heavily. But and then I'm because I'm a tall, slender guy, I always felt there's no need in me walking because I'm I don't need to lose any weight. <laughs> you know, I need to keep <laughs> So for me, um, you know, walking um, does a lot. And and then even while I'm walking, I'm always on the phone. I'm talking to my friends. I just have, you know, um, conversations that get me away from the heaviness and the weight of issues and problems and, and, and things that need resolution. Um, and even just business strategies and all of that, I just have conversations that take me away from all of that. And then also, um, recently I started playing games. Like I, I put, I've never had a game on my cell phone. As long as I've had um, a cell phone, I never played games on my phone, Candy Crush and all those things that people play. <laughs> but I really found, you know, that now those are things that I need to do so that my mind has a chance to rest so that I can come out of those pillars and, and let my other pillars Flow and let my brain power power be evenly uh, distributed. And so I, I play solitaire now and I play little word games and, you know, I'll, I'll do connect the dot games and little things like that, you know, <laughs> just to practice because those are things that, that we actually we have to do. And I think everybody needs um, an outlet. You know, everybody needs a, a a letdown. And I felt that I had those because I like to watch TV and I would like to watch movies and shows. However, the issue with me is even with TV and news and, and the, the type of uh, TV shows that I watch and things like that, I watch things that I get emotionally and mentally involved with. So really, even those don't give me a break. So I now have to actually just turn off my computer, turn off my phone, you know, or play games or just do things that are totally out of that element because I feel everything. I mean, I, I really do. I'm, I just feel everything. <laughs> so maybe uh, yoga and meditation might be good things for you to do, do you think? Now, interestingly, uh, many people have been telling me that a lot of my industry colleagues have been, you know, saying to me for years, you you really should do yoga. And I was just like, you know, for me, everything is I don't have time for that. I just don't <laughs> have time to be getting up and going in all of them positions and all of that. But the thing is, when things get really serious, you, you'll make time for it. And, you know, at my age, what I realized, and this was something that um, that my instructor taught me, she said, you know, for you, you really need to pay attention because with the with the levels that your brain operates, she said, and this is just, you know, science scientific. Um, it's even medically because she's actually a clinical psychologist. She was saying to me that, you know, really um, you're in such a blessed place and you really are in, in our terms would be a genius. She said, because most people who function with those type of levels that mm -hmm. you have as your top four pillars, um, you you 
you are in them in such an intensity. And sometimes you can even be in them for days at a time before you ever shift to a different one. She said, most people by your age, they've experienced a nervous breakdown. Um, they, they're schizophrenic or bipolar, or, you know, they're dealing with all of these mental issues. But the fact that you've been able to, to be so normal, she said, however, you don't want, because that's a lot of pressure for your brain. She said, you don't want that to continue because you may not have that grace, you know, the next 10 years. So you really do need to practice balance balancing that out. So how much does your faith play in your everyday life, Elliot? It is everything. It is my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is there is no way. Um, one of the things that people often ask me, especially people who've known me from, let's just say, high school, middle school on up. One of the things people always ask me, because I've experienced a lot in my life, you know, just like anyone has. I've experienced traumas and all of that. But, you know, people know me as a guy who's always smiling. I'm, I always wear a smile. I just know how to shine through things. And people have always asked me, how do you do it? How do you keep going? What what you just stay motivated? You stay passionate. You never you never seem to lose it. And how do you do that? And the truth is, my faith has always kept me because I just I just have this connection that no matter what it looks like, because I was able to overcome all that I've been through, God still got me because he wouldn't leave me here. And so that's that's really just what keeps me going. And because and that and people, um, I do believe that my divine purpose, my my strong sense of purpose, my divine purpose was to build people is to build people. And so really, at the end of the day, I know that I can't quit because there's a person who needs me. There's a person who needs my voice. Well, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And just on that, with you know building people for global influence, you do have a big event coming up in August. Um, yeah. So yes. why don't we, uh, you know, have a little chat about that? Uh, tell us what it's about and what people can expect. Oh, it is going to be the Influence Architect Bootcamp. Um, and this is something I actually just completed at the end of April. And I and it was something that um, really was inspired back in 2015. I did a class um, and that's actually you'll see often with my brand, people call me Dr. Carlisle. I don't officially have a doctor's degree, but <laughs> many people attended my workshops or courses or talks. They, they've left calling me, you know, the doctor. And mm -hmm. so that's actually just a, a, a brand, you know, term that, that has come up that people call me. And so um, my dad always taught me people call you what they see. So I, I've embraced it, but I don't officially have a, a doctorate degree. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but um, so the Influence Architect Bootcamp came as a result of a class that I taught on um, owning your personal vision and becoming a you manager. And and the students who attended that, it was a three week course that I did here in Charleston. And I had about 60 attendees throughout the throughout the whole three week course. And from that, I'd always been asked to come back and do teachings and trainings. And um, it, it took me a while to embrace the courage to do it. You know, people were like, you need to develop a YouTube show. You need to you need to do webinars. You need to do. Uh, go on live. You need to do this. And I was just like, you know, it's always hard for me to listen to my voice, even doing, uh, you know, podcast interviews. I, it's <laughs> always hard to go back and listen to them and hear, hear myself talk. But I said, OK, I'll, I'll embrace it. So actually, the beginning of this year, I started a Facebook um, live show called EC Live at 10. And I go on Monday through Friday at, at 10 p.m. Um, and the theme of it is Destiny Conversations. And it was really all about um, a conversation where I teach, you know, wisdoms and strategies. And most of them are all faith based um, and some just business principles on how to get to your next and how to build um, the life that you see within. And it's all about building from the inside out. Uh, and I dubbed the audience 
architects, people who are actively building visions, goals, purpose, dreams, and destiny. And so from that, it, it I did that all the way from January 1 to the middle of March. And then I took a break and I, I told them I'm coming back for season two. I'm still on break. But every night we, we would meet for 10 at 10 p.m. and go for a full hour where I would just get on camera and just teach and train and talk. And from that, people began to ask me, well, can you do an in-person experience? You know, we want to be able to come and gather in person and hear you do this. And so I put together the boot camp at the end of April. And it was such an humbling, powerful uh weekend. It really was. It was my first time doing that. And I really took a leap of faith, you know, to do it. And I wasn't sure would anybody participate. I know that people had asked, but it turned out to be so awesome that they asked, please don't. I I said, well, I won't do the next one until next year. And they said, no, we can't wait another year. (laughs) again this year. So I'm redoing that in August. And um, I actually have some special guests joining me for this one. My first one was just all me, but this time I'll have some special guests. But we dealt with everything from um, building and declaring your personal vision, understanding your mission, um, understanding what your personal technologies are, because I believe that your brand, your career, you know, even what you're doing with the Style Podcast, really, this is just a channel for you to execute your purpose. It's just a technology that you're using for you to execute your purpose. So I taught people, I was teaching people, you know, once you do discover what your purpose is, well, what's going to be the, the channel that you build? What's going to be the um, the way that you execute it? How are you going to get it out to the world? How is the world going to discover you? How, how are you going to make, make this a reveal? How are you going to evolve this? How are you going to make this a revolution? And so we dealt with, with all of that. And then we dealt with our fears and limitations, what's, what's held us back, what are our deficiencies and how we can overcome them to, to live in victory. That sounds absolutely awesome, and people can find out more at uh, net. but we're going to put all those details, uh, Elliot, up on the stylepodcast.com as well uh, with the links so that uh, people can find out more, and also season two of EC Live at 10 on Facebook. That sounds, that sounds very, very good. Um, so have you got any – well, this is a bit of a question without notice, as they all have been during this uh, podcast. Um, but do you have a compelling story about somebody that you have helped that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, I have so many. Um I'll, I'll, I'll actually just share this one. This is a more recent one, and it's not anybody who's famous or that anybody would be able to find, but it's, it's something that's very inspiring to me. Um, back in March, uh, Charleston's Fashion Week, uh, Fern Malice was here. And for many who don't know, she's actually the creator of New York Fashion Week and all of the fashion weeks that are a part of the Mercedes-Benz or the IMG network. Um, she's the one who who started that um, over 20 years ago in New York. She was the executive director of the Council of Fashion Designers of America at the time. And then when she left that job, she got hired by IMG to now take this Fashion Week movement you know, worldwide. And so that's that's who comes to Charleston Fashion Week as the lead judge um, of the competition and also just as the fashion expert um, for the week. And so she often does panel discussions and talks while she's here. One of the talks that she did was at the Art Institute of Charleston. And um, we went there and she and I are really good friends. We've become good friends over the years and I assist her when she comes. And we actually have the same birthday. Oh, and, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. So that was, I, I believe that was another little divine, divine 
twist of fate and a divine setup for that to happen. Um, and so we we went there for her to do her talk. And after it was over, there was a young man by the name of Jadrian. And he comes up to me and he thought that I actually was Fern's official assistant, like her publicist. And he came up and he said, I don't know anything about fashion. I'm actually here as a graphic design student. He said, but I'm really interested in fashion. He said, fashion is always uh, has always been a passion of mine. However, I'm really gifted at art and drawing and design. So I feel it was best for me to come to school uh, for graphic design, but I, I really do want to do something in fashion and I just don't know where to start. And so he said, I said, well, wow. I said, well, as I, the question I often ask people, well, what, what made you talk to me? What made you ask me? And he said, well, I just saw, you know, that you were working with her. And I, I felt that maybe I could ask, you know, you if you could help me get in the industry. And I said, wow. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, well, what do you know about fashion? What do you know about, you know, anything? Or do you just have a passion for just the industry as a whole? Or is there anything about fashion that sticks out to you that's kind of dr drawn you? And he said, no. He said, I just know that there's something about the industry I like, which is why I wanted to come to the talk today, because the talk was really marketed only to the fashion students. And so I thought it was interesting that this young man came and he was a graphic design student. So I said, obviously, that would that impressed me. I said, and obviously there's something in you that you know that you have to pursue it because it's not going to come to you. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's something that that I really admire in you. And I said, so the fact that you even were OK to approach me with this question says a lot about you. I said, well, if, and he so he said, well, I don't know anything. I said, well, Charleston Fashion Week is going on right now this week. I'm not sure if you're aware. I said, and, you know, there's runway shows. I said, you can actually come and actually see what a professional runway show looks like. And he said, I've never seen a fashion show. And I said, wow. I said, well, you, you know, you should come. And I, so I gave him my um, card, you know, and I actually gave him my my direct number. And I said, you know, call me if you're able to make it. I said, and if not, you know, I'm really busy this week because it is fashion week. I said, but next week, let's set up a time to talk. And, you know, maybe I can consult with you or set you up on an internship so you can so you can learn, you know, about the industry or just at least I can educate you from what I know. And so that was it. Didn't think nothing else of the conversation. Um, but, you know, I remembered him. But that night when we got to the tents, do you know this young man texts me and said, I'm here. <laughs> and so I didn't have his number in my phone, so I didn't know who it was. So I wrote back. I said, OK, and you are. <laughs> and he said, Jadrian, the young man that you talked to at the Art Institute today. I said, oh, I said, hey, man. I said, well, you are where? And he said, I'm at the I'm at the tents. I came to Fashion Week. He said, after I talked to you today, I called my job and told him I couldn't come in because I needed to go to this Fashion Week thing. And I said, wow, that that spoke so deeply to me because I said, now, the fact that he had he had the gut. He had the 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 drive, you know, to cancel his his job, you know, to call in and say, OK, this is a moment that I need to take advantage of. And so he shows up. And so, you know, he's looking around and I'm walking. I did get a chance to walk him through backstage so he can see everything. And immediately when he saw the models, he was like, oh, I love this. I love taking pictures. I would love to model. I said, oh, really? I said, well, you're in the right place. I said, these are where all the photographers come. These are where the designers are. I mean, you're in the right place to see how it all works. And do you know that night before we left, he was just sitting there um, watching the shows and two photographers walked up to him and asked him, did he model? And he said, no, but it's something I'm interested in. And they gave him his card and he got two photo shoots set up just from coming to Fashion Week and did not, I mean, just sitting there just by being in the place. 
so powerful to me because I often have told people, you know, you can either sit and wait on it to drop out of the sky. You can wait on it to come to you. But I promise you'll be waiting for the rest of your life because it does not work like that. You've got to position yourself. And so I he just he's such an inspiring story to me. And now he when I say he's take taking off and doing things um, with his with his career. And, you know, he, of course, he's young. So he's starting off from the beginning. But I'm watching him and, you know, he comes by and talks to me every now and then he'll stop by my office and, you know, let me know what's going on and give me a little update of what he's working on and who he's working with. But I'm watching him take pursuit of something that he had no clue of how to pursue or what to do with it. But he took the little piece of advice that I gave him, the little piece of wisdom that I gave him, and he positioned himself with it. And if people can just learn how to do that, I promise you, you'll find out that what you are looking for is already looking for you. I absolutely love that, Elliot. I think that is such an important message to get across to every single person because I'm a huge believer in following your passions. And that's how I try to live my life, you know, and that's fine. And um, I get very disappointed for people when they say things like, oh, you know, I work in a bank, but I'd really love to be a fashion designer or, you know, whatever. Or I'd really love to be a singer. And But they, they yeah. either don't think they can do it, but one of the key things, uh, feedback that comes back to me is people say, well, you know, I need an income, like I can't leave my job. It's that yes. security. Yes. And, and yes. so, uh, you know, recognizing those moments, do you have any tips for people? I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, to um, for recognizing those moments and perhaps gaining the confidence and the strength to go into your um, out of your comfort zone. Yes, um, there. One of the things about that is funny that you say that. I, I was dealing with this a couple of weeks ago with a, a friend of mine. Actually, we were in a group group discussion, and I said to her, "I said, isn't it interesting that?" people take the fear of the unknown and allow that to keep them in their comfort zone when really the comfort zone should be what you're afraid of because you know what that is and you know that's not working for you. I love it. And so why not? I I mean, this is what I know. I I know that I'm here. I'm not happy. I'm unfulfilled. I may be working, but it's not it's not enough to to pay me. It's not enough to fuel my passion. Um, I'm still not able to make ends meet. I I mean, I know all the inner workings of where I am and what the comfort zone does, but I may be comfortable. There's this false sense of comfortableness because I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And so many people confuse what's what's comfortable with what's okay. And I, and for me, I believe that there's a difference. Um, there's some things I can settle to be okay with, but it doesn't mean that I'm comfortable. However, when you, when you get to that place and you, and you really look at it all, then you can encourage yourself to say, look, although I don't know what this is going to be, if I step out of this zone, the only thing that I can say to myself is, well, how bad can it be? Because the thing that I do know, if that doesn't work, I can always come back here. And that's and that's the the only thing that's really been able to get me through because um, you have to be a risk taker. I mean, you really do have to take those those leaps. And it is just that you're not going to know you're never going to know. And and that's one thing I know everybody wants to sit around and and wish they could know and they can even look at other people's stories. But that's their story. Your story is your story. And it's always going to be different for you. That's exactly right, because um, I don't care who you are. Every mm-hmm. single person on this planet has something that they are good at. But very yes. often they haven't found out what that is. 
Yes. So part of your, uh, well, certainly, you know, the boot camp and the other things that you do, the Influence Architect boot camp and other things, is Mm -hmm. part of that about finding out at least that one thing that you're really good at that maybe you didn't know? Exactly, because I I do want people, because everybody life will cause you to pursue something, but I believe that there's a correct pursuit and I want people to pursue appropriately so that their passions aren't misplaced. Because I believe that one of the, one of the dangers is being passionate in something that's really never going to produce for you. And, and I would hate for people to, to exhaust all their energies in that and going after something that's, that's never going to work for them. And then, you know, they're 10 and 15, 20 years down the road realizing, wow, I've wasted all my time. Right. That's a very important point, Elliot, actually, because I guess passion is is one thing and people tend to be good at what they're passionate about. But it's a very good point um, that you make that people need to be on the right track. Um, yes. to you know, pursue their passions. Um, I just wish I was there in Charleston in August to be able to come to your um, <laughs> your boot camp. <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome! Well, when, I'll, I'll make sure that when you do come to Charleston, because we talked about that, we're going to have to. I'll put something together because people need to hear you as well. Oh well, that's very sweet of you. I would love to come to Charleston. Love to meet you. Um, yes. I'm, I'm been so. It's been great having a chat with you today. Um, you're you. clearly a very very powerful person. Person, a very vibrant person, um, and you have a very, very important message to give to people, and you obviously are the voice piece for wow. getting that message across, which um, I think is very, very important. We haven't really uh, touched on some of the other things that you've done um, mm-hmm. with regards uh, the Atlanta International Fashion Week, Charlotte Fashion Week, Carolina Style Week. Uh, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week is on in Australia right now. Oh, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> in actual fact. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, what you are doing, reaching out to the world, it's not just about Charleston. It's not just about South Carolina or even the USA. Um, and you say building people for global influence. What mm-hmm. you have to say and share and the way you touch people, they could be in any part of this globe. Wow. That, thank you so much. That that really is touching for me. It really is. And it's nothing. I, I'm a very big words person. One of my love languages is words of affirmation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I take words very heavily and I and even just to be here on your platform um, is very it's, it's something I just don't take lightly. Um, and it really touches me deeply because uh, people build what they build, but they don't have to share it. And people like yourself who have a heart to share, you know, what you have built with with others means that you also not only see the value in what you have created and what you have to offer, but you're also not intimidated to share that value with others or to allow others value to be an influence even with what you have. And that just says so much about your heart. And I and I again have to say thank you to you. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Ellie. And I've gone all goosebumply. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It is very real. You are welcome. Thank you. And just before we go, I am very interested in the uh, philanthropic endeavors, particularly of people that I speak to. So let's have a quick chat about MIA, MAIA Moms, um, which is dedicated to supporting single mothers and their children. Tell us Mm -hmm. a, a little bit about that charity, um, Elliot, how you became involved and what it is that you're seeking to do. 
So Maya Moms, actually, uh, I got involved with that when I first got to Charleston back in 2012. Uh, they were actually doing their first More Than a Label fashion show, uh, and they had sent out an uh, uh, email to the Art Institute to ask for people to volunteer. And I'm I'm huge on volunteering. I just, I'm very, very passionate about volunteering and that was something of course I'm like it's a fashion show this is right up my alley this is what I do so you know I came um interestingly when I got there um it was very apparent that they had never done a show (laughs) (laughs) you know before being the voice you know since this is really my profession I said well I don't want to you know kind of just break in here like that so I'll kind of be quiet and um there another young lady who was there um Ioka Lucas who's the founder of Charleston Fashion Week, she was hosting the event. And so she was in our meeting and they're talking. And uh, in my mind, I'm sitting there like, oh, Lord, y'all are doing this the wrong way. (laughs) And so she finally spoke up and said, I think you all need to me to officially meet Elliot Carlisle and allow him to tell you how this should go. (laughs) And so that point, um, I actually ended up directing that show. Um, and so, and of course it was volunteer and I was a student at that time, you know, and it was an awesome, awesome event. You know, the Maya moms, Maya actually is, um, I can't remember what language it is African, but it actually means great mother. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. And so it's an organization um, that was really in, uh, inspired from the the visionary and the executive director, um, Allison Heron, who went through the the trauma, I'll say, of being married and then being a, um, a single mother um, with two children who went through, you know, the poverty and, you know, lack of support and and, you know, also, you know, having to survive, you know, a family, a home that's been broken. Um, and so just her her whole journey of getting back to a place of self-sustainability. She wanted to also offer that to other, you know, women who are going through the same thing because she really learned, you know, that being a single mother is not the cliche uh, thing that a lot of people think that it is. It's Mm -hmm. not the cliche uh, opportunity or struggle that some people may look at it as, but it's a very, very uh, big struggle. And I did not know that many, many single moms are actually, you know, living in poverty or at the poverty level um, and are unable to support themselves and their and their families. And so she wanted to change that and uh, and provide personal and economic uh, self-sustainability for single mothers and their children. And so it was something that that we were really, really honored. I was elated to be a part of because I, I just love, you know, giving back. I love, you know, philanthropy as well. And then also, of course, it involved something that I also love, which was fashion. <laughs> so then in 2016, they reached back out to me after we did the show. I didn't really hear from them anymore, um, but they actually sought me out in 2016 and, and set up a meeting with me and asked me would I come on board to do the fashion show again. But they actually asked me to be the creative director because at that time they wanted to build to develop it into an annual event. And so really taking um, the more than a label was the name of the show, taking more than a label and making it into an actual brand within itself um, that the organization would support. And so myself, um, as well as a, a team of others, uh, we are the producers of that show. And so um, it, it really is something that we want to make more of just a fashion show. We want to make it more into an empowerment weekend, an empowerment summit for women, not just single mothers, but women in general, um, to remove the, sig- the stigma. The executive directors, they're very big on the stigma that women often um, get attached to and the, the generalization that, you know, single mothers can sometimes fall into. But they really want to represent um, what it means to be a single 
single mom and to let people know that you can make it. It is not the end all be all and, and you just need the right support. Um, you need the right, you need to be restored and you need to be strengthened. And so that's the thing. Those are the three areas that they focus on support, res- restoration and strength. That sounds completely awesome. And they've got the game changer, Elliot Carlisle, uh, on their team, which is, <laughs> which is fantastic. Thank you. It, it, it's really humbling and I, I do enjoy it. I, I, I really always enjoy giving back. That's wonderful. And people can find out a lot more, of course, on ElliotCarlisle.net. You've got yes. lots of resources um, on there, Elliot, some um, things that people can uh, look at and um, appreciate with your events, of course, um, and your uh, journal, your vision journals on there yeah. as well, available, uh, elliotcarlisle.net. Um, and I see that there's a link there, EC Live at 10, when you start up season two. <laughs> yes. um, but we'll be very happy on the stylepodcast.com to put up all of your details and some photos and links to um, my mums and, of course, to your site and other things that you're doing. It's been such a great pleasure for me to have a chat with you today. And it's so exciting for me to, you know, a few weeks ago, I did not know that you existed. And now I feel as though I have just had such a beautiful peek into your wonderful world. And it's just been very enlightening and um, a wonderful opportunity for me to have a chat with you. And I, I now know Elliot Carlisle, and I'm very, very proud to say that. Thank you so much, Penelope. It's a pleasure. It's truly a mutual pleasure. And I'm proud to know you as well. And I'm honored. And I look forward to staying in touch with you as well. And I definitely look forward to having you in Charleston. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it will be fun, y'all. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. You're welcome. And thank you.